the Hellfire Gala is the only happy time of the year. Why we gotta make it so dark? Why can't we just be happy? Why can't we just have a nice party? It's always gotta be drama. <laughs> just have some harmless fun. And just turn it into drama. innocent fun. And they turn into drama. Somebody always get murdered in here. What's going on? Yeah. Well. Next I know. Welcome back to another episode of another relaunch. I am Mr. Bobby Drink, Iceman. Classic, a classic you know? character. I love Iceman. I'm He's gonna great. tell you right now. Um, but I am Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic. Oh, okay. Miss Portals. I know that's right. <laughs> Miss Portals. <laughs> <laughs> Portals of the bank. That's funny. They they actually came in handy this week. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later when we get to comic section but she did something so i said you know what we'll give her her props jeez she can't spell but she (laughs) she has good powers anyways how are you i'm great i am um still wishing there was a lot better weather out here in la look like we just not gonna have a summer i guess (laughs) out there well you know the skies are orange here over the last few days. The Canadian right. wildfires were like coming happening and so like it was obviously really bad in New York, but like it got down here. Um I was even talking to my grandfather in North Carolina. He was talking about how he was dealing with some of it. You could smell it. One of the days was my birthday, so it was like you went outside and the sky was on fire and I was like, It's lit, literally. <laughs> the world is truly dying. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but trying like to barbie. Fun. When she was like, "You guys ever think about death?" <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, I've been good. You know, just uh, working, working, trying to trying to do right. That's that's what everybody says. And everybody <laughs> 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 asks, you know, what else can you say? Because that's really all we have been doing. But I think that's. Right. I was watching, I, I was watching, I'm good. I was watching this movie called Renfield. It's about a vampire, Dracula, and his servant Renfield, obviously. It has uh, Nicolas Cage, Nick Holt, and obviously. Who are they obvious to? His son is named Renfield? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've just, <laughs> I didn't even know like that. Dracula and the vampire story. <laughs> I guess that's not as obvious, but to those who are, yes, it is. But nonetheless, it was actually really good. I kind of like didn't want to watch it when it originally came out because I'm not a huge Nick Holt believer. Like I know a lot of people like him. Like he's just okay to me and didn't have that Aquafina. Movie. Yeah. Um, Aquafina. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> Anyways, 
it was like on that Renfield thing. I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> no, you should watch it. It's on Peacock. It's really good. Um, Aquafina honestly didn't bother me in it as much as like I thought she was going to. She's kind of actually been that way in the last like three roles she's been in. I don't know why she's trying to turn the ship around. It's probably because Gina Rodriguez made her an appearance again, and so we had to shift our focus back to her. But I didn't mind her as Cuddle. I yeah, I've been hearing a lot of people say that. <laughs> I didn't mind her in uh, Shang Chi. Yeah, I didn't mind her in that either. And you know, I really love Crazy Rich Asians, which is another movie. She right. Did. So, I don't know. She might be turning her shit around. That's crazy. Speaking of Nicolas Cage, though, I went to the Summer Game Fest. Uh, <laughs> dished work and <laughs> decided to go. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> He's joking. He was sick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I went to the Summer Game Fest and Nicolas Cage showed up. They brought him out for during the Dead by Daylight's uh, like segment. He's going to be a character in that as Nicolas Cage. And he's I would have screamed. I love Nicolas Cage. It was really cool when he walked out. I was not expecting that. I did see the Mortal Kombat gameplay like the end that trailer live. That was hot. That was that, hot. That gameplay was so amazing. I am it so was so cool to be in that room and like see that. That was so cool. Like everybody looked so good. The fight looked great. It looked good. Um, the Nicholas Cage thing is also really cool. Like I love him. Have you ever seen this movie called Face Off with him and John Travolta? Oh yes, I have. Yes. Oh my gosh, I had that movie on VHS, and maybe when I tell you, I would watch it every. Single my dad loved that movie. Like, <laughs> that movie. I okay. I bought that for him for like Father's Day <laughs> when I was like eleven. <laughs> Like they get their faces off and they like <laughs> and it is like they start fighting. There's this like one scene towards the end where it's like a big shootout there in the church and he's like coming through and the music is playing and like these birds are like flying through. It's cinema. It's like real life cinema. One of the best movies out there. And there's also this movie on Netflix. It's called Jiu Jitsu. It also has Nicolas Cage. It's kind of a horrible movie, but it's so okay. It's so good. They're like fighting this alien who comes to Earth through a comet every six years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they like have this group of people who like train to fight this alien. And like the one year he comes through, the guy who's like supposed to fight him chickens out and runs. And so then he gets found on by this army base. And so the aliens come. And so they're just fighting him. He's killing people. It's really good. The fighting's amazing. Nicholas Cage is in it. He's crazy. There's this girl who has these two axes. She looks hot. I'm not going to tell you what happens to her because I want you to watch. Okay. Maybe I'll check it out. It's on Netflix? It's on Netflix. It's a great little thing to watch if you're doing something else. You need a little background movie. You're going to get sucked in. It's good. Frank Grillo is in it. That's its one minus. But. Oh, hell yeah. Oh. I feel like he ended, didn't he end up being like a bad person. Oh, very. Very. Right. Right. But he was getting work, so I don't know what to say. I think I remember like a clip of him saying like um, something about black people. Yeah, it was something it was about like good. Italians or something. And like all the other Marvel actors were there too, and like they, they were like, were like, they were like, whoa. They were like, Chris Evans was like, God. Chris Evans was like, why did you say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. He's not a good person. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Anyway. <laughs> So this week there weren't any updates, child. You know, strike going on. Nothing's really happening. I will say I know that uh, there has been a talks of the actors also joining the strike, for that SAG-AFTRA, and 
there was like a 97% approval rating of the actors decided to also go on strike. And if they go, it really ain't nothing. I think everybody <laughs> should go on strike from everything. I think we should go on strike from paying rent. I think we should go on strike from paying our bills. I think we should go on strike from just like, I don't know, whatever people need to go on strike for, let's go on strike for. I agree. Let's just end it. <laughs> I've like, always wondered what would happen if we just stopped. Shut it all <laughs> Shut it down. Doing? Just stop everything. Let's really reassess what we're doing here. We okay? were almost there. <laughs> we were almost there. We experienced it a little bit during the pandemic where we just were like, what if we just like took a, a, a halt for a second? And you remember how they were like, the air was so much cleaner. The animals were coming back out. Like, people were happy. People were learning remember how when to people got like, Remember when people got like COVID checks? And people were like able to live. Everybody was like learning a new skill. People was coming out the pandemic like, oh, I'm like baking banana bread. I'm trying to learn the. Oh life. my God, the banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> the banana bread child. I'll never forget that. But we did get the is it cake videos, and I always support those. Those yeah, were amazing. Just, that is uh, something we should maybe try to bring back. You know. I also support all forms of <laughs> pandemic dress wear of like giving that Mad Max Doom type of feel with walking around with like mask and full body suits. Like I love all of that stuff. There's this video that I love. I talk about it all the time. It's these three girls and they're walking around in these like skin tight leather fallout outfits and they're just like having a girl's day out. <laughs> okay. I think it's amazing. There was that one video during Easter, one of the pandemic years, where it was in New Orleans, and the guy had on a um, rabbit's costume, and he's like skipping down Bourbon Street with this sword, singing Peter Cottontail, opening bottles of champagne, and it is like the most cryptic thing I had ever seen in my entire life. I absolutely loved it. I actually have that video saved on my phone. I might post it. Soon. Check this. A out. sword. It was amazing. It was just clear. Kind of cool. <laughs> it, was, it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like all pandemic media. Like if it was given that type of feel, I love it. Again, this, when the skies were orange, I was like, yes, I got a mask. I can see the aesthetic. I usually like the like future tech, you know, sci-fi. Yeah. Love it. Flying cars. Fly, Get to the streets. Get to the streets where the heroes are. Oh, I say that. I, I like. I say that. Like I wouldn't be like corporate stuff. It doesn't. <laughs> well, on that note, y'all, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come right back. everybody and welcome back to another week with another pool of comics um it was kind of hefty this week but everything was you know good so let's get into a couple of things i mentioned poison ivy 13 that came from g willow wilson and marcio Picari. it continues to be a great read it was a date night between harley and ivy so if you want to see what's going on there and you know i have become very much a supporter of Har ivy in recent years i guess i never really saw it for them i think a lot of it was always due to the fact that ivy was being secondary to harley's story i like now because it actually feels equal and i'm here for it you know 
all my girls are gay. I kind of love that for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Magic Order 4 number 5 came out. And this <laughs> just be a really good magic story for everyone involved. Um, X-Men Before the Fall Mutant First Strike number 1 came out from Speed Orlando. It was a one-shot with the X-Books. I ain't gonna lie, I was kind of bored, but it had like some really nice themes in it with um, the mutants and how they're trying to be better and do better and like how they are better. Really good Bishop content after like that other book that was him that also came out and wasn't doing that great with him. I think this is probably like one of those times where like this is the type of characterization I would like for them to continue with him. So shout out to the book for that. Um, but hitting our main series for the week, we'll start with your reread. We're at Annihilation Nova number four from Abnett and Landing with Kev Walker on art. And um, this is the final issue of this. Yes? Of the Nova... Um miniseries yes so again the annihilation wave is going to like go through everybody's characters kind of out in the cosmic world the next issue of the annihilation story is ronin so we'll be following like what's going on with ronin as the annihilation wave like hurdles through his section of the of the cosmos so like that's the one with the hammer right that's the one with the hammer yes yes well you remember okay I know a little song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so this issue opens up um, previously in the last one. Um, Annihilus showed up to their planet. This refugee planet was called Nikos something, and they were um, basically trying to get all these refugees off the planet. Nova created this big wormhole for everyone to get through. So everyone on this planet in this issue was like trying to get out of the wormhole, but Annihilus showed up. He got his whole crew just like wrecking these ships like at the tail end while they're trying to work their way through the wormhole um of course nova sees the annihilist i mean the, the annihilation wave and he decides to just go off on his own now i won't lie he was kind of clearing it there were a lot of ships up there and he was kind of doing his thing now he was going off by himself and quasar was yelling like don't do this by yourself <laughs> this is way too much i can help you um so they, they get up there and nova's like you know i've been working with the world mind it told me that we can't even handle this assault we need to like do something else because we can only do this for like maybe 10 minutes max before we both die quasar is like well if that's 10 minutes all we got that's what we need to do and we just need to save these people so they were trying to take out this annihilation wave while the refugees still kind of escaped through their wormhole drax is like oh, you know, I, I wish I could fly. I will come up there and help you guys. Um, but what you need to do is go after Annihilus. I know this is him. I know this is that Annihilation Wave. I don't really know why this is him. Also, like, this Drax is way cooler than the MCU. I'm sorry, the MCU Guardians are completely different than these characters. Like, Drax yeah, is talking I about... Yeah, I say that all the time. The MCU. He's talking about how, like, he was like a destroyer. People are, like, afraid of him. They hugging him in the MCU. He they like father figure. I think a big thing with me and the MCU Guardians has always been they always continue to like remind you that Drax is the destroyer, Gamora is the deadliest woman in the galaxy, but it has never felt like that at any point in time. Even I think a lot of times with I will say the most recent one, I feel like Gamora finally got her little due as a Ravager. But I think there's they've just been so comedic and jokey. It's just never really clicked with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack is cool though. I mean, he's he's kind of a little bit of a father figure in this to this Candy girl. She's still like with him. And well, they the sad to stay dad thing, they got right. You know, he loved his daughter. 
that's true. He does. Yes. <laughs> Another game. <laughs> um, anyway, they decided to stay on the planet and they're like, you know, we will try to see if they can help just in case anybody lands or whatever. Um, Quasar and Nova try to take the fight directly to Annihilus because they're like, that's just, we need to go ahead and go after. Um, Annihilus is like, well, Oh, let him come there. So he like uh, tells all of his the annihilation wave to change their patterns or whatever to basically clear a path and let him come directly to me. They show up. They try to give a little bit of a fight. Quasar has his uh, quantum field up, this like force field in front of him, and Annihilus touches it and absorbs it. And basically, he had seen that the Nova Force and the quantum bands were out there. He was like, "Oh, dope." Those are two batteries for my quantum rod. Let's go ahead. I mean, my cosmic rod. Let me get them, absorb them, and I'll be even more powerful. So he starts to absorb the quantum energy from the quantum bands and then directly from Quasar himself, and Quasar dies. Uh, then Nova tries to, like, jump in, get into a fight with him, but quickly gets overwhelmed and is about to die himself. His world mind helmet tells him, you need to leave. Like, uh, but when they made the connection, when um, Annihilus tried to absorb Nova's energy, the world mind also accessed uh, Annihilus. So he was like finding out information. He ended up turning all of the ships that were attacking that refugee planet against each other and killed all of them. Annihilus ends up like leaving. Nova is like floating off into space, barely almost dying. The Nova force is trying to heal him, but Cammy and Drax end up picking him up on a rescue ship and they're like, we need to go figure out how to do something else. And Nova's like, you know what, Drax, I need you to teach me how to become a destroyer. So that's where the issue ends. The next uh, bit picks up with Ronin. So we'll be going off into his sector. It looks like at the end of this, Annihilus said like, oh, like there's nothing here anymore. Let's go to another different part of the cosmos. This was a fun issue. This is still like, I think this is one of my favorite like Marvel events. The intensity of it all, the action of it all is really great. You know, I was obviously upset with Quasar dying, but like it was kind of cool. Obviously there needs to be some stakes here. Um, I will say the art isn't that great. Not really feeling that, but I love the story. I was just about to ask, is this Quasar death his like real final death or um i know obviously he pops back up in ewing's guardians that this was his big this was his big death mm-hmm. so like back in back in you know 2007 mm-hmm. <laughs> wow um 2006 so back in 2006 yes this was quasar's like big death he died in the annihilation event um, and so he, he had back, back because since no. that run or did he come back in between he came back in war of kings i think that was just like a few years later but he was only in a like a quantum form just an energy form he didn't have a, a body yet um and then he ended up going back to earth and, and like no, he, no i'm sorry he ended up getting like a body randomly comic books like out in space you know they love somebody in somebody's like, body child well, this was not that. <laughs> this, this was this was not that. We don't want those problems over here. <laughs> he basically <laughs> just 
changed to somehow his energy form changed into like a human body and he got his human body back do you remember that really old superman issue where lois like spends her day as a black woman <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> the <Mr>. pro yeah. <laughs> yeah, <yes. laughs> you know uh you gotta love different the time um uh, but so what would you like you could you read this back then or is this your first yes. time reading like the nova section now so I've, I've, this is my first time reading all of the Nova section. Um, I read the issue before this because Quasar was on the cover. So I read that issue and then I read this issue when he died. Um, but this is my first time ever reading this entire mini. It does like fill in a lot of the blanks for me. It also like really shows you the scale of the Annihilation Wave and just how dire it was. Um, again, I love an enemy that just comes through and wreck shop and he came from the negative zone and said, I want all of this and just started killing everybody. That's fair. He killed the, he killed the entire Nova Force. You do love They still not Nova back. Nova. They still aren't back. It's still just Nova by himself. Isn't the little boy one too? Yes, he's like the only one with another helmet. You know who they need to bring back. They need to bring back Eve Box. Say it. And <laughs> a family from that Infinity Gauntlet miniseries Absolutely. during Battle Wars. Like they were it, and you know Eve exists because she was in Dugan's Guardians run, giving birth. Absolutely. In her Absolutely. Nova Nova suit. Like that's it. who they need to bring back. Let's get that on the docket. But mm -hmm. um, so what would you rate this issue? Overall, I rate this issue a 3.5. Again, I was liking some of the art with the action stuff, but like some of the faces and stuff looked a little wonky um, and I wasn't too great with that, but the story was still great. And again, I'm really liking this like cosmic event, seeing Annihilation, Annihilus just wreck mm -hmm. shot. I've mm -hmm. never read the Ronin uh, mini, so that'll be interesting. Tell me it's all Kree stuff. So that's the thing. But um, so continuing your reread, the next book on our list is The Authority Number Six from Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Go ahead. Okay. So this issue was, again, more fun. I'm really enjoying The Authority. Um, and side note, I've heard some rumors that The Authority are actually going to be in Superman Legacy, the new DC mm -hmm. um, that movie. And a few of them might that. be. It's they said it's only a few, not everybody. It's going to be Midnight and Apollo, probably. I was about to say, so it's Midnight and Apollo and like me. <laughs> 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 Exactly. <laughs> we know who it is, but whatever. Um, I wonder if they're going to just say that they used like Kryptonian stuff to make Apollo. Oh, I hope not. I hope not either. That sounds awful. Don't speak things like that into the air. Let me not say that. Anyway, <laughs> let, me just get into, let me just get into the issue. So uh, this issue opens up and it's kind of a little bit of a flashback where you see Jenny Sparks and she's like riding this. Um, like big giant spaceship and how she's talking about in the 1920s, how things were. And then um, because she's been like, she's lived for a very long time as it's like living electricity. Um, and then we see in the fifties that she was a part of this group, like this British intelligence group that did not like communicate a lot of stuff with the US, um, but they had already like made alien contact. <laughs> and like, it was a thing between these two people. Um, so we see this flashback and you kind of see that oh jenny knows some stuff that what, what's going on because in the last issue 
and they were just attacked. LA was like destroyed again by uh, these invaders. Now, fast forward to this issue, we're seeing the invasion still going through and who was clearing it? Apollo. Wrecking Shop. Um, I, again, all the other team members are also doing some really cool stuff as well. Uh, Midnighter and I shouldn't call him City Boy. His name is <laughs> <laughs> Jack Hawksmore. Yes. <laughs> um, they are like, oh, uh, the shaman who was the, the magic user, he had been turning a bunch of these big ships into flowers and one ship was about to crash into this building and they were like, wait, don't do it. Like, let it crash. The building's already empty. Um, they let it crash because they were like, we want to go beat the people up inside. And that's how we'll get some information on who these people are. So Midnighter has this really cool like, fight scene where he tells this guy, um, I am here. I'm not going to kill you, but I will let you know that uh, you'll discover that you can live through your eyes bursting like water balloons. So, like, Midnight is very violent and um, not afraid to kind of make some people scared with what he will do to you. And um, they end up interrogating some people. They find out who the villain is. It's someone that uh, Jenny Sparks had already known. She gives this whole flashback with everyone and telling them how, like, in, like, the 1500s, this other universe met with aliens already. And that's how, like, but they had, like, this big technological, like, exchange and things weren't bad between them and that happens in like the 1500s and flash forward to like the 1900s things were fine with them then there was this like uh disease that they tried to like purge off from their universe by putting it into another one now she's explaining how like they're trying to invade their current universe and she knows who they are by the end of the issue uh she says you know i know someone who is an alien from that other universe because I had already experienced this before back in the 1920s. Um, and it turns out it was her ex, her first husband. Not that finished, she didn't say ex-husband. She said first. Unless it, I wonder if there were others. Always Which more. makes sense. Whenever they have characters, you know, that like are immortal, they always take husbands and wives, plenty well, of them. It's either they got a whole bunch or like the one that they had was murder and so they've never loved anybody again. <laughs> <laughs> like, which way you want. <laughs> that is very true. Um but yeah, that's how the issue ends. So we're gonna be seeing more about how, you know, Jenny had this first husband who was an alien from another universe and he's like locked up in this um like jail cell. Um but I will say that this issue is still has been fantastic. I really liked the action stuff with Apollo, obviously, in the beginning, as well as some of the stuff that Midnighter was doing, working with City Boy. Y'all know who I'm talking about. And um, <laughs> you could just call him Jack. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny Sparks did this really cool thing where she's living in electricity, so she like used her body and uh, transmitted it across a bunch of the frequencies, the electric frequencies of all these planes and like destroyed a bunch of them as well as sent out a message to them. Uh, so I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, this is still had better art than what I remember Hitch doing before. Like, this is oh, no, I've been like liking it. Hitch on the map. Like people it, was like, I, I can see why. <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that's cool. What would you I would rate give it? this one. 
uh, I would give this issue a 3.5 out of 5. Okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I like it. All right. And moving on back. They are. Everyone should get into them before the movie comes out. And then Reese Manny Authority, too. That was good. Um, and moving yeah. on to the present and getting into our main books of the. Uh, we have Immortal X-Men number 12, and that is from Karen Gillan and Lucas Wernick. And um, you read this this week, didn't you? Yeah, child. I yeah, did. I'm ready to talk about that. All right, so um, <laughs> we start out with the data page in this book. You know, Sight of the Idiot is talking about Shaw and Colossus having their own little meeting and discussing a plan that they're going to set in motion. So then we move on to the next day. We see that we're in the council, as we always are, and the people who are potentially sinisterized still have to leave the council because Shaw wants to have a very important meeting. We find out that Celine has been resurrected and they are once again voting to put her on the council. Kate is in there. She's like, obviously nobody's going to want to do this. But then Colossus speaks up and he's like, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> she is taking it back. Celine is in there gagging yeah. everybody talking like, you know, do I got to get my pitch again? Destiny's sign to say that Shaw works for Orcus, so they call in Rasputin, who is still just hanging around for some reason. And she struts in to read his mind, says that he's not working for Orcus. Outside, while all of this is going on, the council members who had to leave are sitting there, they're the four telepaths, well, three telepaths and hope. And, you know, she's like, we can't listen in and Xavier's telling them how that's not what they do because they're good people but Hope is obviously not a good person so she just decides to do it anyway she feels like okay this is what's going on so she runs to the meeting who she run back into Miss Rasputin they start fighting and I'm not gonna lie to you I'm not really here for the camera but if she's gonna beat Hope up I'll let her stick around I'll stick around um get it for me Okay, <laughs> like a couple of times. <laughs> Mother Wright just sitting on the side listening to everything that's going on. Um, Emma also tries to listen in. Xavier and her get into their own little psychic battle. Exodus is like, this is a mess. Next thing you know, you get big balls of lightning. Um, who comes in? The HBIC herself, Storm. Exodus teleported her in. He said, hold on, I don't know somebody. In like, is that how his teleportation powers work? You know, I always forget that he has those. <laughs> like, every time, every time you say it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much more sense because he does teleport. It's just such a random power for him to have. I don't know why. Um, it is. Some like to say that it's, they've never really explained it before, but some like to say it's like the extension of his telekinesis. Like, it's like because he's an Omega level, like his telekinesis is what's giving him this ability to teleport. Either A, he is reaching out and just pulling someone to him that fast, or he's like telekinetically ripping wormholes and, you know, making teleportation an ability for him with telekinesis. That's a lot going on. Or, 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 or they just say it's a separate power and he just, <laughs> he just teleports. That's a lot yeah. going on regardless. But um, Storm pops in, you know. Destiny and Mystique leave. They're like, it's too much drama. They have their own drama that they're going through. Destiny, uh, Mystique reveals like to Destiny all the time. And during Pride Month at that. And, you know, <laughs> they're talking about how she knows about what Destiny did, like in the universe and all this stuff about Destiny trying to keep her alive. And Destiny's like, that's what we do. And Mystique is like, I'm not your puppet, no matter what's supposed to happen. Like, we make our own choices. Mother Righteous, again, she got Mystique under her palm, so she possesses her. I guess, you know, when Mother Righteous gets her powers, when people tell her thank you. 
Mystique said, thank you. She controls her. She uses her to kill Destiny. Destiny has to be resurrected, thus making her ineligible to be a part of Council Votes because she could possibly have the Sinister Gene, so she's out. Colossus comes back in. We're in our next Council meeting, and he's saying he wants to tell the world about the sins of Sinister Universe. And the vote goes through. Him and Storm have a moment. This entire issue is narrated by Colossus. And for those who don't know, over in X-Force, Colossus has been compromised by his brother, Mikhail. He is like a spy infiltrating Krakoa, trying to help burn it all down and destroy the nation. And so like a lot of the stuff that's going on with him, we see his like inner dialogue about nobody notices how I'm acting and how this is different and how he's trying to like push parts of himself and bits of himself in there to still try and like help and make people notice and how it's not really working. And it kind of goes into like a lot of the stuff that we've been hearing with these people in these books about how they're not really paying attention to everything that's going on and how it's just about them. Even Storm, just last issue, what was Emma saying to her? It took you five years to notice something was wrong. Here's Colossus like begging from the inside, screaming, like, notice I'm not right. Notice I'm right. And Storm's just like, all right. <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> and, she did ask him, know, like, oh, what's going on with you? He was like, well, why you all know? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's just really uh, interesting thing to see with him. Um, again, I'm catching up on X-Force and Marvel Unlimited. This Colossus plot has come up. I will say that this is probably, like, the most interesting I've seen of it so far. I think Gillen did in one issue with Colossus what Percy has been trying to do this entire time. It hasn't really like clicked fully. And I think it's just because he got that narration. That in the narration really helps. The dialogue helps. It really does. I think that like having having that with someone who's like possessed really helps like what the character is doing instead of you just saying like, oh, there's this plot device of a possessed character, you know they're the bad guy. Yeah. Um all in all, I will say, I think the issues continue to be something that's well written. I will always kind of stand on the hill that I don't think the council needs a book. I think um, that a lot of this is kind of just us going in circles, and I get that. Like, that's supposed to be the dynamic of it. It's just like a lot of people who have their own selfish needs doing, like, their selfish things and fighting each other about it. I would still like to see a little bit more, like, policy of them actually doing something. Though, and like having like okay yes we got all this chaos going in the background but we're also still managing to like get this done or get this set up and it never really goes that way um and even the things that they vote on are just and like i also think the whole thing about bringing people into the council and voting them on i read inferno and i feel like and this might just be me but i feel like what hickman did with that team um not that team but like the council group in inferno was basically say that like this is a burden of the state. We do not want to bring other people into this. We are the only ones who can know this. We are taking that on ourselves. We have built the walls high. We have trapped ourselves in them. We don't want to do this with other people. And then, like, Galen immediately opens up his immortal book with, like, them holding. <laughs> who want to join? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like who's coming in here now? And it's just weird because you put it in the sense of like, okay, so we are going to potentially bring other people in here who can like help do other things and, you know, make things better. But then no one actually does that. And then even when you bring Celine on, it's just like, when has Celine ever succeeded at anything? Because she know magic? Okay. So does magic. That don't make her useful either. Allegedly. Whoa. 
I'm sorry, she teleports. Whoa. <laughs> I imagine catch a stray hat she in here. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> Regardless. I don't know. I think the book think is fine. That, I think that maybe the council probably just needs to be either just done with or maybe just um, shown in a different light. I, like you said, I personally thought that there was going to be a lot more um, like these like machinations between each character about how they're trying to either A, better Krakoa or make it worse. However, whatever their stories are, um, but it's just been everybody going around in a circle talking about who they are as a character. Like, we don't already know that. And it's arguing about Sinister. They will not stop talking about Sinister. <laughs> 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 but he was everywhere, so I get it. And then, like you said, it's also musical chairs. They get into an argument, somebody leaves, and then the Sinister one says, oh, okay, well, let's, let's vote for a new person there. And then so, the next person leaves. So now we say we wasn't going to do well, at least now I think they finally gotten to the point where they realize they can't like kick anybody else out of the council because it just really does look bad. But also, I don't know. I don't know. It's fine, I guess. How do the people feel about this? I don't even think the people know that there's like a council in existence. When do they come <laughs> out this room? <laughs> That's a good point. They don't. When was the last they time you saw Xavier walk around? Turn right back around. Xavier got shot in the head the first week of Kokoa. He has not left that council since. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, they don't. They're not doing all of that. It's not time for. He's probably spooked. He probably was like, "Never mind. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. need to come outside." Oh no! Oh, I think the issue was fine. I'm kind of still like not the biggest fan of Wernick's pencils. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think they're like serviceable. I think he does his job. I think some of the proportions look a little weird sometimes. But like early on in the first half of the issue, like I was looking at Shaw, and it was like a flat head. And some of those <laughs> panels were like kind of like her leg. It was just it's it is what it is. The faces, the girls are pretty though. Storm looked nice when she walked in um, or teleported into the scene. I thought that was cool. Um, I think that Hope being Hope was very in character for her. Not gonna lie, I was rooting for Chimera, even though she's still around too. And I don't know why we just let her read everybody's mind. <laughs> it's just like okay. <laughs> They just trust her, I guess. We just trust her. Like, it's like the council is so strange. I trust the strangest people. You, you trust Sinister's old general. And another right. timeline. This lady who's walking in here <laughs> don't got no shoes on. No, no. I would give Not it a 3.5 out of 5. I'd give it a 3 out of 5. What's okay. that? Okay. <laughs> and our final book of the week, <laughs> X-Men 23, and that comes from Jerry Duggan and Joshua Kassar. And this is the X-Men, year two. They're taking it. They're coming towards the end, though. So I'm going to miss this team a lot. Um, again, with this book, we start out with Sinister and Mother Righteous. And we find out that <laughs> 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 they're everywhere. Um, 
we find out that Mother Righteous is actually not a sinister clone like we believe. She was actually the original Daniel Essex's wife. She is Rebecca Essex. Um, how she's got to be Miss Sinister, I'm discouraged me. Mother Righteous is like still in question, but she talks to the Sinister who is also Dr. Stasis about like how you think you're the original, but you're not. And I know why and blah, blah, blah. He's going to be under her thumb now as well. Then we get back to the main issue. Our X-Men are fighting a giant Stark Sentinel that has been attacking some firefighters who are rescuing a burning building. Um, this was a plan set in motion by Orcus. They are pretty much trying to control the media and narrative around the X-Men and the mutants. They make it seem as though that the X-Men randomly attacked the Sentinel while it was trying to save the firefighters and the people during this crisis, which of course didn't happen. But the issue was just basically one big battle with the X-Men and the Sentinel. It was really good. We got to see them doing some cool stuff with their powers. Magic especially had the big moment where she kind of like sent the Sentinel away in pieces. Um, Firestar kind of like was doing her leadership thing, which I thought was really great. Again, one of the things that I've been loving about her on this team is how she is learning to work within a team in a mutant confine in a way that she hasn't had before on her other teams. And that's been cool to see. I also love the idea of like Cyclops testing everybody's leadership ability. Like, this is kind of like, we all know the X-Men at this point is like a temp job. You're going to be here for a year, and then you're going to go do something else. But while you're here, you're going to get your skills. And I really do appreciate that. Ford continues to be a standout character. Come on, corporation. Okay. <laughs> Corpus come. <laughs> um, we deal with the tension of Gene and Scott in battle. You know, they are still on the outs from their whole thing with the brew. Gene makes an abuse joke about how she's the only one who gets to beat up Cyclops. I don't know if people were supposed to laugh at that. She seems kind of nasty to me. But... Um, other than that, the team does good. Orcus kind of likes the season what they were doing because, of course, the media is going to always hate the mutants. And the issue ends off with Emma talking to Fisk, who is now a resident of Krakoa due to his marriage to Typhoid Mary. And Scott runs into her. He's like, I got your message. I you know you heard that me and Gene are out. He's assuming he's there for a booty call. And Emma's like, no, that's not why I called you here. Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel is dead. Scott falls to his knees <laughs> and, and was like, I'm sure that changes like, things. like, not my home, girl. <laughs> She's like, you know, I'm sure that changes things. I'm sorry about Julie Jane. She walks off the issue. ends. it was hot. Your two takes. Cyclops was like, well, well, that's what I've been coming to you for. <laughs> this is the relationship that people love. Skeleton. <laughs> wow. They only see, he only see her for one thing. You don't want to tell he's damn like she couldn't even get a dinner. No. He came to the beach in his poom poom shorts and his and his slides. He said, I know you heard me and Gene on the house, so <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why you calling me. <laughs> it's sick. Scott Summers is a nasty man. He's gonna get what's coming. See, I mean and, and I mean that means there's precedent for her having made the call. So let's not <laughs> Okay. It can't always just be on him. She was there too. I mean, I'm not going to defend Emma Frost. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm just saying. You're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you read this too, didn't you? What did you think of this issue? I did, yes. I was. I thought it was okay. I had caught up with uh, the X-Men because I had dropped it after the first 12. No, I stayed till 15 or 16. Um, so I have one year two started. Then I kind of fell off of it and... Um, I caught up again, 
and it was okay. I I don't know how I liked the way that the X-Men fought the Sentinel. I think I would have preferred to see them not just instantly lose <laughs> each time the Sentinel did something. I understand the robot having different, um, you know, countermeasures for all of the X-Men, but it would have been cool to see the X-Men use their own ingenuity to try to defeat it rather than just like brute force at the end with magic. You know, I think it would have been cool to see how they could kind of come around whatever kind of... I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I like the brute force sometimes, too. Sometimes that's just what gets the job done. And I've always kind of kind of appreciate the adaptive capabilities of, like, the Sentinels and stuff like that to make it a little bit harder for the yes. Speaking of, I even, like, thing I didn't talk about how when they were talking with Orcus and they were like, you know, they're trying to draw blood, but they still weren't able to get Gene. And Nimrod was like, you know, leave the Omegas to me. So it sounds like she got to come up with something quick. Well, a lot of the Omegas do because he's coming. Yes, yes. It looks like he's probably going to be crashing um, the Hellfire Gala. You know, coming after those Omegas. The Hellfire Gala is the only happy time of the year. Why we got to make it so dark? Why can't we just be happy? Why can't we just have a nice party? It's always got to be drama. <laughs> Just have some harmless fun and just turn it into drama. Just innocent fun, and they turn into drama. Somebody always get murdered in here. What's going on? Yeah. Well, the X-Men don't always get along. And you put them all in one room together, get them liquored up. Clearly. Even without the guess happening. They stabbing each other. <laughs> After me. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Jean slapped her husband in front of everybody. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what's going on? Let us have this one night. No. Nimrod's coming. They bring a big daddy. <laughs> Apocalypse is coming back, though. So he's going to uh, go with big daddy. Okay. <laughs> but overall, I, don't I don't know. I wouldn't mind that for Apocalypse being like, you know, Nimrod's just make that villain. a thing. No, not Nimrod's villain. Oh, that wouldn't be bad either. But like, I wouldn't mind if he was like, you know, oh, Apocalypse is back. Time to us to prove we worthy. If that becomes like a thing, if he's always going to be out on Ameth with his wife or it's whatever. Tea. It's like, you know how when you a new ex of swords every time. And you would have like a little part-time job or something. You had that one boss who you knew when they came around, you better have been working or at least looking like he was working. That's Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind that being a thing. Um, anyway, I would have... Um, I like the issue. I rated probably a 3.5 out of 5. I'd give it like a 3.82. I really appreciate it. I really like what this team is doing. I'm going to be sad to see them go. I've really been enjoying year two. Um, year three is right around the corner. I'm mm. excited to see who stays, who goes. If Nimrod is coming to crash the party, like, what's going to happen? How are they going to act? Yeah. They got to get a formation. I'm enjoying Firestar on the team. I do think she'll make it to year three just because I feel like they've really kind of cemented that she is trying to be like Miss Mutant and doing what she needs to do. So mm-hmm. Sink and Talon, I see them staying. Jane and Scott. They going to us. This is a little rocky right now. It's like looking relationship. Sink might have to pull rank and cut them. So Maybe. That's wild. They started the team and they fell apart. <laughs> Gina Scott. Wow. But those are our books of the week. 
we'll go ahead and take a break and then we'll come on back. just going through some of my old tweets when I was talking about her and I found that and I was talking about how I think we had literally just did a reread of Under the Red Hood or something like that and she had appeared mm-hmm. and then she showed up in the episode and then I found out she was also in the Suicide Squad one. Oh. On Arkham, I think it is. Oh. The Batman one? Yeah, she's in that She one. was in that? Okay, cool. We should probably watch that. Eventually. She's kind of a hot girl. Onyx got it. Onyx has got it. You know, I've been at the Church of Onyx for a while. So it's like, anyone who wants to support Onyx, you can go and read Teeny Howard's Catwoman right now. She is there appearing in multiple issues. I'm there. I like her a lot. Um, you know, I don't really get down with the sweet girls like that, but, like, she's hot. I like her. You always say that, but... I know, but in a, where I like <laughs> Honestly, it's not the sweet girls. I like some of them. It's the magic. Now that... Yeah, you always say that too, but we also know the truth about that. I don't know, I don't know about that one. But anyway, all right. So this week, y'all, welcome back to the uh, watch section of the show, and we watched uh, Justice League episodes eight and nine. And um, so this week, I'm going to just read the like synopsis of it, and then we'll just talk about both uh, episodes. So the uh, episodes were directed by Bitch Lukic, and they were written by Stan Berkowitz. They came out in September of 2002. Um, so the description of them says, exposed as a criminal, sentenced to prison, and terminally ill due to long-term kryptonite exposure, Lex Luthor escapes and assembles a supervillain team, the Injustice Gang, to take on the Justice League. The gang consists of Cheetah, Star Sapphire, Shade, Hopperhead, Ultra Humanite, and Solomon Grundy. Joker also becomes part of the team on his own initiative and due to his expertise on Batman, despite Luthor's dismay due to the failure of the past alliance. I think this is like a little tie-in. Um, anyway, even with their combined power, the gang proves no match for Batman's guile. So, this episode was, I thought, kind of one of the weaker ones for me. I wasn't that into it, which is wild because my favorite um, like villain group of like DC is like the Injustice League. I love the the Legion of Doom. Um, they're my favorite Justice League villains. Yeah, they're my favorite Justice League villains. Um, I like when the when the heroes have like another group to fight, um, and then we see how they team up and how they work together, uh, <laughs> and have how they work together to kind of take down the heroes and like the heroes and vice versa. Um, so. Like the Legion of Doom and Justice League are my favorite kind of group there, but for them and this one, I don't know. I just thought it was just okay. It was very bleak and kind of sad. Um, I don't know. I think anytime you get something that focuses on the villains, it can kind of go any either way. I think this is like obviously a sadder case because of why this team is being formed and like all the things that are happening for Lex. Um, I will say though. This was probably, like, you said 2002? I wasn't really reading too much DC back then, especially, and if I was, it was Aquaman-related. So I don't know too much about the Green Lances, and I don't know too much about what they fight. So this cartoon was my first exposure to Star Sapphire. And when I tell you that that design, I like, oh, look, like, it has stuck with me my entire life. Whenever 
anybody talks about Star Sapphire, I instantly think about this costume. And I know we'll get to it later, but especially the episode where it was the girls focused and like she That's the next one. Parisia. Yeah. It was <laughs> it it was it. That's the dog. I had already known about Starfire at this point, and I don't like that lady, so <laughs> I didn't. Um, it was interesting to see this, though, because for me, for some reason in this, they kind of seemed like she was like a new character. Like, um, some of her interactions, I was like, why does she seem like she doesn't even know who John is? <laughs> but, like, um, I feel they like kind of treated I'm trying to think of her appearances. I feel like they didn't really ever talk about her and John having any type of relationship, did they? No, they never did, even though they had them fight each other a bunch of times in this, because obviously they're both like, you know, dope, they're yeah. those powers are what you put against each other, but like they're both a part of like Galactic Course. <laughs> you would think like, that, well, like, she didn't date him, so what else they had to talk about? <laughs> right. Um, and in this universe, she hadn't killed his wife yet, but um, I thought that the like episode overall was just okay, but I did like some of the writing and stuff for the choices for the characters. Um, Batman using his, you know, sweet talk to kind of uh, work Cheetah was really great. Um, seeing that in comparison to Superman and Flash trying to interrogate, I think, human, uh, ultra humanite, um, or was it that was Copperhead who was uh, who was the prisoner? And I thought that was like kind of fun. Um, and then the ending of it all, when the heroes beat all the villains and everyone's getting arrested and uh, Ultra Humanite is like, hey, you still gonna honor our deal? Batman's like, of course, double what Lex was paying you. He's like, all right, bet. <laughs> and sure enough, that's how they won the day. One thing, because hey, what makes the world go round? Money. <laughs> One thing I will say, though, I, I really like Ultra Humanite. Like, just as a villain. I think about times when he's popped up in different things. Um, he's just sassy, mean, funny. And I think I like him a lot more than I do Gorilla Grodd. Oh, okay. I think they have an episode in here where they beef, actually. I feel like it. And I'm just thinking about it. But, you know, you know they tied Gorilla Grodd's, um, like, ape history into Atlantis at DC. Oh, really? Yeah, they, like, said that the apes were, like, basically the servants of the Atlanteans. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And then, you know, they started getting smarter, and they broke free, and they kind of, like, moved on into their own little space. But, yeah, they had some connections. Um, wow. So he's been like, Grodd has been a villain of Aquaman before. And so, like, anytime I see Grodd, I just like, I'm like, I don't know. You just don't do it for me. But then Ultra Humanite pops up. Because I used to get them confused a lot all the time, too. I'd be That's like, awesome. oh, this is the same person. But then um, when Ultra Humanite shows up, I'd be like, no, I actually like this one. He's not that one. Do you think he should have any kind of like telepathic powers or anything like that? Or should they just leave it just to Grodd? I mean, I'm never going to say no to someone getting telepathy. I don't know. I knew I should have said that. I knew that's when it was going to be your answer as soon as I said it. <laughs> support a telepath. I don't know what to tell you. It's just me. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at what they're having. Maybe that would be something where him and Grodd kind of be over it. 
Um, but what did you think about all of the the Injustice gang kind of coming together? Um, Lex even, you know, telling everybody, you know, I want you guys to help me take out the Justice League after learning he had cancer. You know, I felt it was all very like in line. Lex's eventual petty. Tell him he's dying. He's gonna take us to the next level. I like seeing a lot of the villains. Um, the team working together was cool. Like you said, it was a little bleak. It was a little sad. It felt a little down. But I'm excited to get to like the next, so we can get back to our heroes. I'm learning a little bit more about them in this world. Yeah, I guess it's a way for it to be kind of like a pullover episode because we did, you know, um, the league, the characters all coming together. Then we broke down with John. Then we broke down with Aquaman. I was about to say, they've been doing a lot. People hands yeah. were getting cut off and... Babies almost burning alive. You know, yeah. it's stressful. Yes, let us go beat up some people on the street for a little bit. That's fine. That's fair. Um, all right, well, that is the end of this. Uh, next week, we'll be watching episodes 10 and 11. Yeah. Yeah, next week is 10 and 11. And those are the, the Paradise Lost episodes where, you know, Aresia... And Queen. Wonder Woman focus. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, so that'll that'll be a lot of fun uh, to see when to rewatch those. Uh, so tune in next week when we watch that. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of the show. Please make sure you guys rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can watch us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV. You can email us at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? As always, you guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. There's an underscore at the end. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. I'm going to start making sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>